Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here is your host, Nancy Kerala. Yes, this is Scott Battles, our guest host today. I'd like to welcome Ron Romano, RN CEO of SafetyNet America, to discuss creating a safe environment in a pandemic. Welcome, Ron. Hi, Scott. It's good to be here, Scott. I uh, I always uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on uh, on the show, and uh, uh, looking forward to talking with you today. Thank you. So. Ron, I've got a few questions. If you could share uh, with us and take a moment, you know, to let us know what your background is with our global listeners. Sure. Um, my background is uh, I've been in healthcare for 35 years. Um, started out in healthcare as a uh, registered nurse uh, in in uh, critical care emergency room. Uh, and um, working with uh, uh, children who were uh, severely burned at uh, Shriners Hospital uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, from that point, uh, that's where I really uh, did all of my or most of my nursing and then uh, uh, straight off into wound care and um, helping uh, long-term care facilities with evaluating and treating uh, pressure ulcers and different types of wounds. Uh, and then from that point, I, I really did more in consulting and uh, reaching into the infection control uh, environment, patient safety, caregiver safety environment. Um, so that's kind of, a, in a nutshell, uh, you know, my background in, uh, in healthcare. Oh, wonderful background. So, I would say uh, some understand the basics of disinfection, Ron. What is a 99.9% sanitizer disinfect? Yeah, there, there's different. And, and you know, I, I didn't, uh, until you really get immersed into this, you know, you, you really think that 99% when they say, well, it's 99% effective or, you know, it kills bacteria at a 99% um, rate or 99.9% even. And, you know, you think to yourself, wow, that's, that's pretty doggone good. That's, uh, you know, we're getting probably just about every one of the bacteria that there are. But really, when you, when you think about it, and according to the EPA uh, guidelines, um, the Environmental Protection Agency, because they're the ones that regulate uh, sanitizers and disinfection, you start to learn that a 99.9% is good, but really you're only sanitizing the surfaces. So you're not actually killing all of the bacteria that uh, might be on that surface. And there are uh, different disinfectants that can eliminate even a higher count of, of the bacteria on the surface. And it actually goes up to a 99.9999% uh, kill. And that's when you start getting into your higher level of disinfection and ultimately uh, being sporicidal, according to the EPA um, uh, lingo. Much more uh, to it than what I would have envisioned. So, 
Another subject that, you know, many people would ask, what is a logarithm and how is it used in infection control? You know, a, a lot of times in, in uh, healthcare, uh, if you're working with a infection control practitioner or, you know, those of you who are uh, uh, clinicians that, you know, that have been to some of the conferences and maybe gone to a couple of the infection control programs, um, you, you might hear somebody say, well, we're getting a, a two-log kill for those bacteria. And how does that two-log kind of coincide with the um, sanitizing, disinfection, and sporicidal? So if you're getting a two-log kill, that means that you're getting a 99% kill, which when you think about it again, from what I just said a little bit ago, um, you're, you're actually leaving quite a few pathogens on the surface at a 99% uh, level. Actually, you're leaving about 10,000 out of a million, because logarithms based on a million, out of a million pathogens in a room, you're leaving 10,000 pathogens that can still cause infection, can still cause illness. So you're leaving quite a few. And we all know out there, you can't see them, but we all know that when you're talking about pathogens in a room, you know, that can cause infection, you're, you're not talking about just a million pathogens. You're talking about several million pathogens. Um, so just think that you're only getting a 99% kill and that's based on a million and you're leaving 10,000. Just think if that's several million. And so that's, that's basically sanitizing. If you go up to a three log, okay, now that's three nines, a 99.9, you're still only sanitizing and you're leaving about a thousand bacteria on the surface out of a million total back, uh, pathogens that would be found on a surface. Um, so you're still sanitizing at that level. You're not even disinfecting. So you're leaving quite a few still there. The EPA says that you need to be at at least a four log or a 99.99% or nines to be disinfecting a surface. So that would only be leaving a hundred pathogens on a surface out of a million. So, you know, disinfection is really what we want to achieve is that higher level. And that would actually go up to a five log, which is uh, five nines. And you're only leaving 10 pathogens at that level. And then you get to a six log where you're at a 99.9999, that's a high level, and you're actually um, going to be, uh, you can be sporicidal at that level. So, you know, if, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have several diff uh, different disinfectants, and one of the disinfectants that we use quite a bit, especially in healthcare, because C. diff is so prevalent and something that is like the gold standard, everybody wants to be able to kill C. diff, uh, spores, um, you know, we want to use something that says that it gets a six log kill for C. diff spores. And um, so that's something that would be very important to, uh, to look at, something that's sporicidal for C. diff. And 
Scott, in working with quite a few of the different hospitals, they won't use a disinfectant or a uh, you know a, to you know or a sporicidal that you know that that can't that won't kill C diff spores. They want to always that's their gold standard, and that's what they that's what they actually look for. Um, so that's uh, that's how the EPA looks at it. That's how the testing when you test a product that's either you know and and you want to bring it to market and you know get uh, kill claims on it, um, you it will actually say on the label what level it disinfects against what type of bacteria over what time period. And that's that's really something for us to talk about too, Scott, at some point is why does the time factor uh, that it has to dwell or stay wet, the dwell times same as the wet time, why is that so important? That's something we should probably address as well. Absolutely. That was a, uh, a very enlightening explanation. Uh, I, I didn't realize there was so much to that. And I think, you know, for the average, you know, individual cleaning, that information certainly needs to be communicated. Um, you'd mentioned the Environmental Protection Agency aspect of this somewhat. Um, the EPA is involved in disinfectants. And why is this so important? Well, um, I, that's that's a great question, and and you know nobody likes overregulation, but I think when it comes to you know our health and and safety, um, you know in this case regulation is a good thing, and the Environmental Protection Agency specifically regulates pesticides, and that may be pesticides that you use on plants, but you know, that, that's also pesticides or disinfectants that you use to kill, you know, bacteria and pathogens and, you know, those kind of bugs. So um, the EPA is the regulatory body for, um, for uh, sanitizers, disinfectants, uh, sporicidals. Um, you know, you hear sometimes people use sterilization Sterilization is actually a word that's used under the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. And the Food and Drug Administration, they actually regulate food safety and medical devices and medications and vaccines and things like that. Um, And they also can give you an indication, too, for your disinfectants if those can be used on food surfaces, because again, they, they regulate food safety. So they would, uh, would be the body that would say, okay, that can be used on food surfaces and what's the guidelines behind using a disinfectant on food surfaces? Do you need to disinfect and then, um, then wipe it off with, uh, with, uh, clean water or what are the actual guidelines to that? And there are several that we work with. Uh, antimicrobials and disinfectants that also have a, a indication uh, that can be used on food contact surfaces. So the two uh, the two regulatory bodies that you would be looking at for uh, sanitizers and disinfectants and and those things are the uh, either the EPA Environmental Protection Agency or the uh, or the FDA. Interesting. 
So, Ron, uh, what is the hierarchy of control? Can you explain, you know, what is clean, sanitize, disinfect, and sterilize? And this might be a good time to, you know, hit upon the, you know, the wet time, I think, as you uh, termed it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a, uh, it's a little pyramid. And, you know, we use pyramids for a lot of different things when we want to look at different uh, hierarchies. And this one's a hierarchy of disinfection or uh, uh, disinfectants, um, you know. And, you know, down at the bottom of the pyramid, you're going to have your, your um, you know, your uh, bacteria that uh, are easier to kill. Okay, um, and uh, so those would be the ones that would be at the bottom of the pyramid. And then up a little bit higher on the pyramid, uh, you're going to have your disinfectants. Um, and then at the top of your pyramid are going to be your sporicidal. So down in your sanitizer level, you're going to have your, you know, your your influenzas and and your lipid viruses, and, and maybe some of your vegetative bacteria like staph, they're, they're, they're the bacteria that are a little bit easier to kill. They're a lower-resistant bacteria. And then as you climb up that pyramid, about in the middle, you're going to have your aspergillus, uh, niger, uh, your fungus, your non-lipid viruses like your noroviruses, um, and those are a little higher resistant, a little bit harder to kill. That's what you're going to need at least a, a disinfectant to kill. And then at the top of your, um, of your pyramid at the point, that's where you're going to have your, um, your, your, uh, your, your TB and your spores, like your C. diff spores. And that's going to be your sporicidal level up, up at that point in the pyramid. So, um, so you know, if you could think in this way that you know, if you're able to kill C. diff spores, which is very difficult to kill, you know, since it has that protective coating around it, and you have to oxidize the outside of the of the spore wall in order to kill it. Um, you know, you should be able then, if you're if you're disinfecting or if the product you're using is is sporicidal, you should be able to kill the easier to kill ones underneath that you know require a disinfectant or a sanitizer. Um, so that's that's kind of your that's that's a, just a really uh, overview of your hierarchy of disinfectants. Ron, if we could uh, go to break and come back here in a moment and elaborate, uh, you know, on on the you know surface wet time and so forth a little bit more. But we're going to go to break and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. 
Join us on November 4th and 5th for the 9th Annual International C. diff Conference and Health Expo. This will be a live two-day online event dedicated to healthcare professionals worldwide. For conference details and to register, please visit the conference website at cdiff2021.com or the CDIF Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org and plan ahead for next year when we look forward to meeting you in person on November 3rd and 4th, 2022 at the Boston Logan Hilton Hotel. If you missed the live broadcast of C. diff spores and more, we invite you to listen at your leisure. In addition to the on-demand show on Voice America Health and Wellness, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Take us with you worldwide. You're invited to join us for the C. diff Patient, Family, and Caregiver Symposium. This is a free event for patients who have been diagnosed, are being treated, or are recovering from a C. diff infection and recurrences with family members and caregivers. The event is July 16th from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. For symposium details and to register, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call 727-205-3922. We look forward to seeing you online in July. This symposium is sponsored by Series Therapeutics. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Yes, this is Scott Battles, guest host today in lieu of Nancy. I'd uh, like to welcome back our guest, Ron Romano, RN, CEO of Safety Net America. Uh, Ron, I was going to uh, ask just a, a short explanation of essentially the, the wet time, and we'll move on from there. Thank you. Okay, great. Good to, good to be back again. Um, well, you know, dwell time can be used, in, you know, kind of as the same as a wet time on a surface and basically dwell time and wet time is how long that disinfectant has to be remain wet on the surface in order to achieve the kill claims that um, that that are on the label so if the if the dwell time is is you know 10 minutes that means that it has to stay wet on your surface continuously for 10 minutes. It, it, it can't dry in a minute and you put it back down, it dries in a minute, you put it back down, it dries in a minute. It has to be a continuous wet time or dwell time of that 10 minutes. That's a long time. And in working with quite a few different um, individuals and listening to some of the lectures of the top epidemiologists, um, you know, some of them say, you know, if you can't get a, a uh, kill something within two minutes, then it's really unachievable. So, you know, you see some things that have for C. diff spores, to give you an example, I've seen them before that have a 10-minute dwell time. I see them that have a three-minute dwell time, so it only has to stay wet for three minutes. And then there's others out there, like one of the ones that we use, uh, that has a two-minute dwell time. And so it only needs to stay wet for two minutes. And when we use things like an electrostatic sprayer to put that down, it's very achievable and you're getting the coverage that you need. 
you know, one of the things um, that I think is real important is, you know, the spray and wipe, you know, just using a spray bottle with a, a rag or a cloth or, you know, a microfiber, um, you know, to clean or disinfect surfaces. When you spray the, the droplets on there and then right away, what you usually see is somebody taking a cloth and wiping it back off. So it doesn't even get the uh, opportunity to be on the surface long enough to achieve the kill claims that you really need. And Scott, you see this all over. It's not just in healthcare. It's in, you know, it's in restaurant, uh, restaurants. It's in uh, transportation, you know, with some of the commercials with the COVID-19. You saw some of the commercials where people were frantically wiping down, you know, in schools and in, in buses and airplanes. And you think, wow, that's great. They're really getting that clean. But are they really disinfecting and killing the bacteria or are they just moving it over into another location or spreading it around? And really, that's what you're doing if you don't allow the surface to, to stay wet for the, the, the necessary uh, period of time. Uh, one thing I think it's worth mentioning is there's been quite a few different studies done uh, on, um, you know, how effective is spray and wipe. And it's kind of funny, Scott. Some people, um, I've heard them refer to it as pray and wipe. And I think that's because, you know, the effectiveness is less than 50%. So what that means is if you're using spray and wipe and you're going through the normal, uh, you know, normal practice that you would, you'd spray it down, you'd wipe it off and you'd walk away thinking that was clean. But, you know, in reality, it's, it, it may be clean, but it's not disinfected. It still has pathogens down there. So, you know, spray and wipes less than 50%. Um, uh, you know, less than 50% of, uh, of efficacy uh, when, you, when you look at it that way. Very interesting stuff. So um, to elaborate a bit more on this subject, can you explain what's currently being used for disinfection, what's effective, and, you know, what, uh, what doesn't work, what works? You know, I've had this conversation, you know, I think a number of times with uh, with uh, Nancy Kerala and uh, and you know with several other people that are you know in our in our group um, and there's so much out there right now and you know the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic really brought even more people out there with more products with more different you know with different claims um, everything from you know, UV wands that you could wave over a, a, over a, you know, a restaurant table to, you know, different types of cleaners, um, you know, with different types of what they call sprayers. Um, and it seemed like everybody was calling everything a fogger for a while. And then everybody was calling things, you know, an electrostatic sprayer when it might have just been a garden sprayer. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really during this pandemic, a lot of different things have, have, uh, have come out there on the market and it's been really hard for people to, to distinguish what works 
and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when, when we look at it, you, you need to make sure that the people that you're talking to is, a, first of all, a reputable company consultant, um, infection uh, control nurse, um, you know, somebody that has been doing this for a while. Um, our group has been doing this for 15 years plus in, in this area. And um, you found others as soon as the pandemic came out. You know, those people that were pressure spraying decks and surfaces now all of a sudden were uh, disinfection experts and going in and spraying surfaces at restaurants and hotels and, and all over. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's, that's a long way of getting around to your question, what actually works out there? And there are a, a lot of good products out there that work. Um, when, when I, when I look at a room, that is an isolation room uh, that needs to be completely disinfected to a high level or an enhanced disinfection level, uh, I'm looking at something such as a fogger um, or, you know, a step down from that would be an electrostatic sprayer, a true electrostatic sprayer, and I'll define that in just a second. Um, the foggers are nice because they can take a um, disinfectant, and the disinfectant has to be um, it has to have an indication uh, to be used in fogging. You just can't fog bleach or fog any disinfectant out there. It has to have an indication where it was tested for fogging and and that it works. Uh, and you you'll find that on the label. Um, so fogging's nice because it puts the, the disinfectant into a very, very small droplet. I mean, we're talking about putting it into a sub-micron or somewhere around a 5 to 10 micron where that disinfectant uh, is so small that it's getting into every nook and cranny behind things, um, in the bed frames and just all over. And it's disinfecting not only the surfaces all over, but it's disinfecting the um, air as well. Okay, so fogging is a very effective way to make sure that you're, you're getting everything in that room. I guess the the you know that's the that's the pro of the whole thing. The con would be that it it takes a little bit longer. You have to seal off the room, so you have to seal off the vents in the room and you know the door and everything. And you know it can take anywhere from I've seen some that will take thirty minutes up to you know two and a half to three hours depending on the size of the room. But that's 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 the best. A way to to make sure that everything is 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 dead in that room when it comes to a pathogen. Now, if you look at the other way, and it's a quicker room turnaround time, it would be your true electrostatic sprayer, and you can use disinfectant, different disinfectants in there uh, in these devices. That should also have an indication for spraying. Um, you know, by the EPA. Again, you just can't put anything in a sprayer. And whenever you do any of these things, Scott, you have to make sure that the user is using proper PPE. 
um, you know, that would be uh, eye covering, of, uh, 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 some type of a respirator, or face mask, and proper uh, clothing or, you know, coveralls or something. And that's all spelled out to you as well in the, um, in the safety data sheet of that disinfectant. Okay. But the electrostatic sprayer, what it does is it puts the disinfectant into a very small droplet as well, not as small as the ones in the foggers that are floating, but in a small droplet as well. And it applies a negative charge to the droplet when it's coming out. So the droplet is attracted to the different surfaces of the bed, of the overbed table, of the wall, anything that that, that spray gun that um, is, is pointed at where the disinfectant's coming out, it's going to go and cover that and wrap around it and disinfect. Now, that's a lot quicker way, Scott, to, to turn over a room. You can actually go in, and in both cases, fogging and with the electrostatic sprayer, you have to do a, what we call a gross contaminant clean, where you're cleaning up, you know, uh, any kind of blood, urine, stool, any other biofilms or whatever. You're cleaning those up first, and then you're disinfecting. And so those are both very good ways to disinfect a room and make sure that you're getting all the pathogens in the, in the room. And then my suggestion after that is there's some very good antimicrobial um, uh, finishes, they call them, that you can then electrostatically spray on a surface that will last on that surface and continue to kill bacteria that lands on the surface, um, some of which are up to 90 days, that it will passively continue to kill bacteria when it gets on the surface. Great and, stuff. Um, so I think those, um, those are the best. Great stuff. Yeah, much more to it than the, what the average bear would, you know, think. Um, at this point, we need to go to a break. Pause for a commercial break, and we'll return to continue discussing creating a safe environment in a pandemic. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. You're invited to join us for the C. diff Patient, Family, and Caregiver Symposium. This is a free event for patients who have been diagnosed, are being treated, or are recovering from a C. diff infection and recurrences with family members and caregivers. The event is July 16th from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. For symposium details and to register, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call 727-205-3922. We look forward to seeing you online in July. This symposium is sponsored by Ceres Therapeutics. To help support the C. diff foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. 
Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us on November 4th and 5th for the 9th Annual International C. diff Conference and Health Expo. This will be a live two-day online event dedicated to healthcare professionals worldwide. For conference details and to register, please visit the conference website at cdiff2021.com or the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org and plan ahead for next year when we look forward to meeting you in person on November 3rd and 4th, 2022 at the Boston Logan Hilton Hotel. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff spores and more. This is your guest host, Scott Battles, today. And we welcome back our guest, Ron Romano, CEO of SafetyNet America. Uh, we'd just like to kind of come back and revisit a few subjects here. Uh, what is the, the science behind the no-touch room, whole, whole room disinfection, Ron? Uh, that's a good question, Scott. And we kind of touched on it just before. Um, with the uh, when I was when I was speaking about the uh, foggers and room fogging, um, the no-touch disinfection is being able to use a, a device, a fogger, uh, with the disinfectant, and you just place that in a room. You can push the button, or some of them you can operate remotely. Um, leave the room, and it completely. Um, disinfects, as we had said before, that room in a, a period of time dependent on how large uh, the room is. And again, those are getting up into a sporicidal level. So that's an enhanced disinfection or a high level uh, disinfection for um, isolation rooms and ORs and, you know, different places that have uh, high pathogen loads. Very interesting. So what are some of the barriers that, you know, we need to consider when deciding what to use for disinfection? You know, we, we know there are so many different products on the market. You know, which ones are currently being used in healthcare and public facilities? You know, I think uh, a few things that you want to know right, right off is what are you trying to kill? Are you trying to kill, you know, spores that are a lot tougher to kill? Um, you know, like I said, the C. diff spores. You know, a lot of the hospitals and healthcare facilities, they, they make that their gold standard because, again, they know if they kill that, they can kill most anything else in that room. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that you need to know. I think the next thing uh, that you have to uh, determine is, is what, what's, what's the layout of the room? You know, how large is the room? Because foggers can only... Uh, disinfect up to a certain size room, and then you may have to add another fogger or go to something else like an electrostatic sprayer. Um, can you shut off the air in the room to be able to fog? Um, are there other people around? Like, 
you know, a tough place to fog um, or a tough place to disinfect, you know, are some of the places that probably have a lot of pathogens like the hallways um, because you can't really fog those. It's hard to use electrostatic sprayers with certain products because you always have people around or waiting rooms like the ER waiting room. Everybody's probably experienced one of those. Um, so you really have to see, you know, what you're trying to kill, what the, what the space looks like, and then that will help you determine what you use to, to apply your disinfectants and, you know, and do you have to have people out of the room or out of the area during that time or, or what. And then you can also decide whether you might even use something like UV, UV light um, because there's some cases that that's very effective as well. Interesting. You know, Actually, that was my next subject. So, Ron, what are some of the examples of, you know, misinformation that we've seen, you know, related to infection control? And elaborate more on the UV light, you know, to sanitize, sanitize disinfect, you know, what are the limitations? Well, that's a great question. And, and you know, right now, UV light is not regulated by anyone. Um, it's not regulated by the EPA, uh, the FDA, um, as a medical device or, you know, any other body out there. Um, so unfortunately, you have a lot of companies out there that say uh, a lot that it can do a lot of things that are, you know, sometimes untrue or a little embellished or, you know, just flat out not true. Um, and that's one thing I think is really needed around that so we can make sure that everybody's using, you know, things that are effective and, and safe for the, for the public. Um, now, with that said, UV light, even in their own studies, shows that it only sanitizes at best. Now, depending on how close the bacteria, the pathogens are to the UV light, it may hit a level of disinfection, you know, close. But what you have to know about UV light is, first of all, UV light won't penetrate glass, okay? So, um, and light that comes in from windows will affect the effectiveness of the UV light. The other thing is distance with UV light. Um, UV light, again, is very effective close up, but as it gets further away, we're talking two meters, six feet, and as it gets further away, it's very ineffective. Um, so you do have to move the UV robots, they call them, around because they're not truly robots. They are devices that you do need to move around. Um, the other thing is shadowing. Um, light can only kill what it can reach. And we've all seen where there might be a bed in the way, so the shadows on the other side of the bed aren't being disinfected, or under the bed is not being disinfected, under the overbed table. In some of the different areas, you're not getting those areas because of shadowing. Um, so, you know, the important things about UV light, and, and one, of the, one of the gentlemen that we work with that's, uh, that is... Uh, um, one of the scientists for UV light, he says, UV light is very effective in a closed, controlled environment area, but it's, it's uh, much less effective 
in a, a, a big room or a complex room where you have furniture and beds and, you know, uh, all of those things. So those are, that's really what needs to be considered when using UV light. Um, now, we have different devices called the UV box, and some of these are small little, they almost look like toaster ovens or, you know, uh, microwave ovens where you open it up, there's UV light in, and around the chamber is a highly reflective um, mirror material, and, you know, you can put the put your phone in there, you can put your, um, you know, your badges in there, you can put all sorts of things in there. You know, people in hospitals are putting stethoscopes and otoscopes and, you know, all different things that they use all the time that have bacteria on there that can cause cross-contamination and put those in there. And UV light is very effective. I mean, we can kill C. diff spores at almost a five log level in 55 seconds. So I, I think the story behind UV light is, again, you need to know um, it, it, when to use it, how to use it, and, um, you know, and, and when to use it in order for it to be effective um, is, is I, I guess, my short answer to that because it could be much longer. <laughs> Totally understand. Uh, this is a, a very comprehensive subject, more than I think anybody would, uh, you know, the average person would guess. So, Ron, here in a couple minutes, we'll be going to break. But what are the most important lessons that we have learned from this pandemic? You know, I, I think one of them that we should have learned, and I'm really not sure that we have, Scott, is it, it, it's best to be prepared um, and have infection uh, control um, uh, protocols and procedures in place um, when something like this happens. Because, you know, what we've seen with this last pandemic is a lot of people were playing catch up. Um, you know, they, 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 they were doing regular cleaning that was probably, um, you know, subpar to begin with. And now they're faced with a virus that is pretty, pretty much easy to kill. It's just you don't know where it's at. And, you know, you, you don't have the tools to, to uh, you know, disinfect appropriately. Um, you know, so I think, I think and I'm hoping that people have learned that this is not over. Um, you know, there's other pandemics on the horizon that can happen. And the best thing that anyone can do out there is put your disinfection protocols and procedures in place and continue to use them um, and be prepared because it's not just one area. I mean, you need to look at air purification and um you know, in disinfection for either HVAC systems or the rooms. You know, it's about, you know, hard surface disinfection that we talk quite a bit about. Um, it's about hand hygiene and mobile devices because hand hygiene program, but you ask them about how do you disinfect the phones and other things that you use around the um, hospitals, nursing homes, clinics, wherever, and they, they, they give you a blank stare. And we know that anything that's on those devices, after you clean your hand, 
and you pick up one of those devices, now it's on your hands again. So there's, there's a, it's all about a comprehensive program, not one thing or another. You can't say, oh, I have a UV robot, so we're good. It's all about a comprehensive program, Scott. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, I think this pandemic has really brought to light that we, we need to be much, much better prepared. So we're going to head to break here pretty quickly. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing this important information. We'll pause for this commercial break and come back to continue discussing creating a safe environment in a pandemic. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. You're invited to join us for the C. diff Patient, Family, and Caregiver Symposium. This is a free event for patients who have been diagnosed, are being treated, or are recovering from a C. diff infection and recurrences with family members and caregivers. The event is July 16th from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. For symposium details and to register, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call 727-205-3922. We look forward to seeing you online in July. This symposium is sponsored by Ceres Therapeutics. To help support the C. diff foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us on November 4th and 5th for the 9th Annual International C. diff Conference and Health Expo. This will be a live two-day online event dedicated to healthcare professionals worldwide. For conference details and to register, please visit the conference website at cdiff2021.com or the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org and plan ahead for next year when we look forward to meeting you in person on November 3rd and 4th, 2022 at the Boston Logan Hilton Hotel. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. This is Scott Battles again in lieu of Nancy Kerala as your guest host today. I'd like to welcome back Ron Romano from RN, uh, CEO of Safety Net America, discussing, again, creating a safe environment in a pandemic. So one of my next questions is, you know, why is it so difficult for people to accept the importance of disinfection, social distancing, you know, masks and vaccines? Uh, It's a very 
comprehensive question, as we both know, because there's so many dynamics involved in this. Uh, yeah, yes, Scott. I think I think there's a lot of different opinions on that as well. Um, you know, depending on you, you know your background and and you know a lot of different things. And uh, um, but and, and I think also the message that we hear um, coming out. There's a lot of in. There was a lot of in the beginning. I guess you know just not knowing. And there's a lot of inconsistent messages uh, coming out to to you know everyone. Um, and I, I think one of the big things is, you know, bacteria, pathogens, you know, viruses and things, you, you just, you can't see them. Um, you know, you can see the, I think the, the effects it has and the impact and, you know, and what it does when somebody, you know, you know, gets a virus and, and is infected, but you can't really see it on the, you know, on a, on a surface, like a handle. Or, you know, on, you know, some of these other high touch surfaces like, you know, the light switches and different things. So it, it's really hard to understand it when I guess, you know, a lot of people, they can't see it and they see people going around and wiping things off and they expect that it's clean. Um, I was in an airport not long ago and, you know, I was coming up the escalator and there was a sign up that said that the escalator handle, you know, the black little handle was, um, was sterilized by UV light. Now we, you know, anybody that knows anything about it knows, you know, that's, that can't be true. It's scientifically, you know, can't be true. Um, but it's those kind of messages I think that get out too, that people get confused and, you know, the whole thing behind the mask you know, I, I think the mask was, uh, was, you know, in many ways a great idea. And, uh, you know, because if it, if it didn't do anything else, it kept you from touching your mouth, your nose, and, you know, not as much your eyes, but it reminded you not to touch those areas. And, you know, that's one of the big ways that we, you know, that we, um, you know, get infected is through those, through our mouth and, you know, nose and things. So, um, I think it's just a, a difficult thing. I think the other thing, and this is purely my opinion, is, you know, I think people, we, we live in a free country, a democracy, and people don't want to be told what to do. And when you're told, you know, that you have to wear a mask to go in somewhere or, you know, wash your, you know, wash your hands. I mean, those things, you know, washing your hands is simple. But I think that, you know, that all came into to play, too. So. I think this could be, uh, you know, this could be a whole segment in itself, the, the psychology behind all this. But I think it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's simple. You know, we can't see the bacteria. We can't see the spores and the pathogens. And so we need to do whatever we can do to protect ourselves. And if we protect ourselves, we're going to protect other people that are vulnerable as well. Um, so uh, that, that's, a, that's a kind of a simple way to look at it from my perspective. I, I totally understand it. I uh, was in charge of a large facility and, you know, just the cost of putting in a disinfection system was quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of different systems out there, as we both know. So we've got about four minutes before we close up. Ron, I know there was a few things that seemed like that you wanted to elaborate a bit more on. If you could do that in the next few minutes, that would be fantastic. You're full of information. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's uh, this is a this is a area that you know it may sound odd that I do in, enjoy, but I think it's an area that um, you know that uh, it's all about pe- keeping people safe, and you know, having the best practices in place, whether you're in a hospital. Uh, a nursing home, uh, you know, clinics, or, you know, if you're working in a manufacturing facility or transportation or any area. And, you know, we, we said before, it's about having the right information to make the best decision. And, you know, I've really seen some bad decisions being made out there when it comes to um, different products that people are using you know, some of which can be toxic, as we saw before, Scott, you know, some of the hand sanitizers that came out there, you know, it was, they they were, it was being absorbed in the hands, and there was other, you know, other uh, toxic uh, problems that 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 it was causing. And, you know, even in some ways, people are looking more at price than effectiveness, you know, oh, I can buy this disinfectant for, a dollar a bottle, but if I buy the $3 a bottle one, you know, you're actually doing better because you're actually killing more things. So, you know, I think there was a lot of decisions out there and I see, I still see it now on air purification um, systems in schools and, and other places that are solely being made on, on price and really not digging into the efficacy and the claims that are being made by each product. So um, I, I think it's just very important that people really understand, you know, the situation. And what we've gone over in today's message, that's, that's just scratching the surface um, oh, of, I completely. Of, of infection control. Oh, absolutely. I completely get exactly what you're saying, that this is such a comprehensive subject. I think we could be on here for... A long period of time. It sounds like it's a semester-long uh, college class. So at this point, um, I think we'll wrap up. And again, I just want to say a, a huge thanks to our, our guest, Ron Romano, RN, CEO of Safety Net America, that this subject is, you know, an item that the average person and or, you know, many people in the medical field grossly underestimate. So again, much thanks and thanks to our our friend Nancy Corrala that couldn't be here today and Scott Battle signing off. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, that's 1 p.m. Eastern Time, for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. 